it's, it's on there. What Adam did to get us into this mess, right? What's greater? What Adam did to get us into this mess? Or what Jesus did to get us out of this mess? Right? What, what Jesus did. Far greater. Here's my, here, here's my dilemma. I had no choice in the matter for what Adam got me into. So if Jesus is, what he did is far greater than what Adam did. How could I choose to get out of what Jesus did for me? I don't know. When I read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, we thus conclude, if one died, all died. Amen. And now all live. So I just got to wrap my, myself around some things, you know, because I know what Jesus did is far greater, mm -hmm. far better, far stronger. And I know people say, you know, because of Adam, I didn't choose. I didn't choose. So now, because Jesus, I have to choose. I struggle with that because of scriptures that I know. Because I believe that my God is so much in love with us, mm -hmm. so much in love with the world, that he gave his son to be a propitiation payment for the entire world, the entire cosmos, and all their inhabitants. Now, Paul says we're, we're, we're ministers of reconciliation. The whole world, it says the whole world has been reconciled. So now go out there. This is, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Now go out there and be ambassadors of reconciliation. Let them know. Let them, you're all worried about your bank accounts, right? You're trying to, be, no, I'm just saying, you're trying to balance them out. You know, the bank state, wait a second. I'm telling you it's reconciled. Amen. Oh, okay. Stop worrying about it. Well, no, I got it. I got, no, you're reconciled. It's reconciled. Agents and ambassadors of reconciliation. Introduce people to their true selves. To their, you know, you know, and uh, this is why the gospel is too good to be true. The world, the world, the world. The whole earth and all its inhabitants. You know? And I am no better. I am no better than the man that's, that's in Walmart with a gun killing people. I'm no better than him. Because I got angry at you the other day. You know? I didn't get angry at you. But I got angry at you the other day. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, come on, listen. Listen, in all actuality... You know, you want to talk about the law and the perfection and holiness? If you think down about your brother, if you have an, an angry, you know, thought or an upset, it's just like you killed him. I'm not going to be a liar and stand up here and, said, and say, in my lifetime, I've never looked at a woman and said, Ooh, wow, that, she's put together good. I'm going to be honest, okay? You know what Jesus said to me? You just committed adultery. There's one sin I, you know, I'm committing less and less and less. Gluttony. I'm, I'm getting a victory. Oh, we're getting a victory over that. Right? See? Mom, how do you think, Mom? Huh? <laughs> getting a victory over that. Amen. Woo! 
I went to Jersey Mike's, and I got a big sub. And I asked them to cut it in half and wrap it in half, and they did. And the one half, right, they cut that in half. I only ate half of a half, and I was full. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! We're marching to 175. We're marching to 175. I haven't seen 175 since I was a senior in high school. No, yeah, senior in high school, 175. I can't wait. I can't wait to be in the 32 size pants. Man, I was, it was enough, I was enough in 46, right, 46? But not only 46, Nina, the ones with the waistband that's stretched out. So it might have been 52, who knows? <laughs> no more. I had some in the pants. I put some in the pants on. I'm like, whoa. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. You know? And that, that, that jacket, I haven't worn that jacket in years. And now it's kind of, it's big on me. But I love that jacket because that's my dad's jacket. That's my father's jacket. And, uh, but anyway, so I'm st we're getting victory over that. I, you know what? I have victory over that. I have victory over that. You know? Me and my wife, where did we go out to eat last week? Oh, we went to Chili's. So we went out to Chili's. I don't even remember what I ate. I don't remember what I had. What did I have? Oh, I just got a big burger. Big burger and fries and, and, and broccoli. I had it. I'm not gluten-free, although I'm not saying anything against people that are gluten-free because I'm married to one of them, okay? But I couldn't eat the bun. It was just too much. So I put the bun to the side, and I just started eating the burger. You know, next thing you know it, I was, I was full. And I'm like, oh, man, look at all them French fries. Rick's not even here to eat my French fries, share my French fries with him. And then, you know, my wife, she sees all the food. Her plate's gone. I'm telling you, her plate is gone. My plate's not. And I'm like, Lord, look at all this food that's left over. She says, yeah, I know. She sticks up her hand. She gives me a high five. And I give her a, okay, you don't care that I'm wasting all this food? No. No. And, uh, oh, man, Jesus, life is good. Righteousness is amazing. I, I don't cut. Yeah, what? I was going to say, but you know what hasn't changed? What's that? My hair? No. From oh. the old to the new. What's that? Faith. Faith. Yeah. Abraham, prior to. Right. Faith right. Was yes. Credited to him as righteousness. Amen. And Faith. God has put in us, as per Romans, right and wrong. Has through all eternity. Right. So you can still find them even before Christ went to the cross. Right. Yes. And that's what it says in the book of Titus. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Always. God is always calling us. Always calling us. And that's a great that's a great point. You, you think about the greatest, and this is a little mis, mismosh. Is that the word, mishmash? But we're, Because we only have one point we're going to talk about today, number seven in my Fruits of Righteousness. The greatest, the greatest parable that Jesus taught, okay? If you were to ask theologians, if you were asked uh, those, those religious people with their doctorates and teachers in, in academies and whatnot, which, what was Jesus' greatest parables, what would they say? Luke chapter 15, the lost sheep. And that is a picture of God, and that will always be a picture of God. God will always search. God will always call. God will always call out to us. 
He will always look for us. Just like in the Garden of Eden, Adam fell, Adam was sin, Adam was hiding, and God came looking. That's God. Just like the lost sheep, he's going to turn every corner. He's going to look in every valley. He's going to search behind every rock. He's going to find you. Just like the Holy Spirit who's depicted in, in the woman, like that woman, there was a lost coin. She's going to look for it. She's going to search for it. She's going to clean her entire house. She's going to move her couches. She's going to lift her cushions. She's going to sweep. She's going to look. She's going to keep going, and then she finds it. That's what God... See, we don't, you know... Yeah, we have a yearning. We do have a yearning. But in spite of that yearning, God is never going to stop calling. God is never going to stop looking. And then that's where grace comes. Because when he's calling, and as he's calling, he's always releasing the grace for us to believe. That's why it says, for by grace you are saved through faith. It, all, it comes together. It's all a gift from God. My faith is a gift from God. My ability to believe is a gift from God. That's, that's what it, for by grace, through faith, I am saved. It is a gift, not of myself, lest we should boast. And that's what's so great about this gospel. People that are, people that are living in sin, let's say, people who are, you know, living in fornication, living in drunkenness, you know, Cheating on their husbands or cheating on their wives. Men living with men. I mean, you know what? Number one, they're either denying it. They're denying that it's sin, okay? And it's sin. But number two, number two, this is, this is what I can't understand. The power of God and how powerful God is. But I guess the power for, power for man to reject is even greater. Because they have to reject his calling. They have to reject his grace. That must be a power. But it can't be greater than my God's power. It can't be stronger. But I got to preach the true gospel. Right, Nina? I can't be preaching to them. God is angry with you. God is upset with you. God is ready to judge you. God is ready to, to, to hold you in, under chastisement. Isaiah chapter 53 tells me he's already done that. Now I'm an agent or an, I'm an ambassador of reconciliation. Righteous before him. And I think about the beginning. In the beginning, right? God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 26 of chapter 1, he says, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. What is that, God? What was that? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Put on your new man, which after Christ has been created in true holiness and true righteousness. So our image and our likeness, which gives us the dominion, ruling as kings, is holiness and righteousness. But you know what's awesome to me that I never realized about that portion of scripture? Come up here. Yeah, and Damon. Come on up here, both of you. No, you're not going to be talking. But I just need, I need two people. And you're the closest. And this is going to be on camera. So now face each other. No, 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 face each other right here. There you go. So camera can see it. Oh, wait, where, yeah, you got them? Okay, now look. I ha I'm sorry to say this, but he's God. Okay, he's okay. All right. Oh, You're Adam. Oh, no. no. Wait, no, no, in the beginning. Now, this is all you got to do. Look, go like this. Into her nostrils. Oh, do it again. 
I never realized how beautiful that was from the scriptures because it said he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. Thank you. See, that was easy, right? Now you're Now, what is so wonderful and special about that? Jesus in John chapter 17, verses 19 through 23, is where he's praying, Oh, Father, that they might be one as we are one. You and me, me and you, them and us, us and them, one, one. And how? Somebody's ringing a bell. Oh, Frank. Come on in, Lord. Come on in. What kind of phone is that? Huh? Come on in. So listen. Um, we are one, right? We are one. Let us make man in our own image, in our own one. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, because of Christ, because of righteousness, because of justification, one. But what's beautiful about that depiction, think about how big God is. But yet he was standing face to face with man when he gave him life. And now you look at Jesus and 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we beholding the, the image, right, in a mirror, right, of the Lord, face to face, we see his glory, and we are changed into that image by the Holy Spirit. He wants us to look at the image, and we think we're looking at ourselves, but we're looking at him. We're looking at him. Wow. And you know what? There's a portion of scripture. First John. You know what? I'm going to look at I'm going to, I'm going to read it, all right? Because it's a beautiful portion of scripture. And First uh, John. I wish I had it memorized, but I don't. First John chapter. Is it First John chapter 3? But, uh, beloved, now we are the Oh, beloved. First John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. This is why Paul tells us to look at the mirror. But we know that when he appears, the mirror, right? We will be like him. We will be just like him. For we will see him as he is. Do you understand what that's saying? You see Jesus as he is? You're seeing yourself as you are. This is why in chapter 4, he goes on to say, right? Here's love perfected, that we have boldness to stand before God in the judgment. Because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Wow. He made us to be able to stand face to face with him. And what allows us to do that? Holiness and righteousness. Righteousness qualifies us to qualify for our inheritance in the kingdom. So we've been talking about the fruits of righteousness, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, you know, filled completely with fruits of righteousness that are found in Christ Jesus, bringing praise and glory to God. Filled. Filled or well supplied with something sensational. I have something sensational in me something sensational 
and it's crammed. And knowing that, coming into a greater awareness of that each and every day has helped me gain victory in areas of my life which had me enslaved in the past. Enslaved. I started believing that God loves me, period, no matter what. That was number one. Number one. Yeah, I screwed up. Yeah, I messed up. Yeah, I yelled at my wife. You know? Yeah, I got angry at somebody. Yeah, I might have looked twice. You know what I'm saying? But I knew. I start growing in the realization, God, God loves me. No matter what. Just like that song. He loves me. And now after that, and it took a while. It took a while. Okay, it took a while. And now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am righteous. He has declared me righteous. He has made me righteous. And it took a while. You know, when I would have an argument with Lori, and then I would like slam my fist on the, on the, on the, on the, uh, on the counter. Oh, man, that hurt. <laughs> I hit it hard. Just like my wife, you know, I love her so much. She wants me to put down a new floor. I'm putting down a new floor. I'm hitting the sledgehammer. I'm hitting the sledgehammer, you know, and I miss the end of the scraper. And I hit, see, it's a little swollen still. Hit that hand. You know what I said out loud? Praise Jesus. <laughs> no, I said, oy vey. <laughs> but you know what, after I said that? You know what? Some years ago, I would have said that, and then I would have threw the stuff down. I would have said, Mother, why am I doing this? Why are you having me do it? You know. But you know what? Anger. I know anger is wrong. You know? Uncontro uncontrolled, I'm uncontrolled behavior. And so, but what? Right away, I'm like, I said, I'm going to say it. You don't like it? It, it? You know, like when they want to stop water, they build a... You said it, not me. Damn. But I, I did that, right? And then and, and, and I said, nope, ain't going that path because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm righteous. My wife was watching me to see what's going on, and I just went to keeping on going and knocking that tile up and getting that tile up. Now the floor is all ready to put in the, uh, the planks. But So anyway, and I would, and it would be, you know, it would be hard, you know? I'm driving. I'm not the best driver. I don't think I ever gave anybody the number one sign with the wrong the other finger. You know, I don't think I ever did that. You know, but I, I cursed at them through the window. You know what I mean? I know. It. But it did take me a while. But what got me out of that behavior was my new understanding and my new believing and my new foundation of the fact that I was righteous, I was holy, I was blameless. And it became part. The fruit of that was emanated in my behavior. Emanated in my behavior. So, you know, um, and we're established in this righteousness by God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Now he which is establishes us in Christ and has anointed us is God the Father. Wow. And so we talked about the fruits of righteousness. These are our fruits. This is... This is this is what's contained within. This is, now we have to, I believe the word of God, what the word of God is, is this. 
you know, I told you, we're supposed to live from the inside out. We're not supposed to live from the outside in. We're getting it wrong. You know, I, I believe the, the biggest source for the Word of God, planting the Word of God, is not planting the Word of God so now we're planting something that we don't have inside of us and it's going to grow. No, I believe like, 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 like this is us. This is, this is where all the fruits of righteousness is contained. All right? This is where all the fruits of righteousness is contained. Everything I'm talking about, everything. The, God is able to do far beyond what we could dare ask or think or believe according to the power that's working within us. You know, the communication of our faith might become uh, effective, effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in us. So what I believe the Word of God does as it renews our mind is it helps us unleash the cap. The cap. Takes the cap off so what's in there can flow out. It's like a can opener. It's like a can opener, you know? We all, we all have can openers. We all, you know? I got a, I got a, I got a, fa a fancy can opener. I use it. I'm like, why am I using this? I'm, I tell you why I use it, because my son gave it to me. <laughs> you, you, you put it in this, you, you put this on there, you turn it, and the whole thing comes off the top. I showed you, right? I, I, I showed Rick and, 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 and Damon it, you know? I like it. I drink it. You know, it's cool. It's cool. But it's like the word of God. We're, we're renewing our mind. Paul says transformation. Transformation comes from in here. So what is our renewing, renewing our mind? Our renewing our mind is now, it's now the can opener. It's now unscrewing the lid to getting it off to get everything that's in there out. Yeah. Boom. Yes. Boom, coming out. Yep. And you know, there you go. And there's sometimes we let a little bit of light out, right? And we have sipping a little bit. Take it all off. Let all the light out. Oop. Pour it over you. You're not having fun as a Christian. You're doing something wrong, right? Okay, here we go. I can't waste this coffee. It's so good. All right, so now we're moving on with the. This is so important. You know what? <coughs> I love teaching, and what I try to teach the students is, is, is to diverse after the verse, diverse before the verse. You know, so far, so, so so many times we're so good at just showing the verse, teaching the verse, right? But the verse before the verse gives this, that verse meaning. And the verse after the verse gives it even more meaning. So, for instance, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. We all, we, we've heard that. We might not know the address, but we all know that. But if, but if. So what Paul is saying, you know, listen, guys, it lives in you, right? So, but if it lives in you, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Right? So this is saying, Paul is saying, if the spirit is dwelling in you, right? It should be doing this, but if, so look, why is it not? Well, let's go back to, root, to verse 9 and 10, and maybe we can, we can get a glimpse of an answer. It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you, well, I believe the Spirit of God dwells in me. 
Right? Amen? Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit of life is here. It's alive. It's raising us up. It's here. Why? It's life. Why? Because of righteousness. Because of righteousness. So verse, uh, so number seven, the seventh fruit of righteousness is healed, whole, and restored. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who on his tree... Do you understand, Peter, this is at the end of his ministry, where he's learned from Paul. He talks about it in his second letter. This guy, Paul, you need to learn, you need to learn from him. Finally, Peter's getting a connection. And listen to what Peter... Do you see what Peter says in verse 24 of chapter 2? Peter, in 1 Peter, 1 Peter, he says, who on his own body, on the tree, bore our sins... What? Why? Why? That we might live unto righteousness. He's even getting in it. Now we live unto righteousness, and by his stripes we were healed. Even Peter has a connection there. So Romans chapter 8, verse 11, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Ha ha. I want, to, I want to just briefly talk about the connection between righteousness and communion. Paul exhorted Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. And again, that good fight of faith, he goes on to explain it in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, by, by, by picturing Jesus, by, by, having, by having Timothy look at Jesus who in, in the face of Pontius Pilate maintained a good witness, right? Did Jesus defend himself? No. Did Jesus defend himself? No. no. Did he defend himself in front of the, San, you know, the Sanhedrin and the, and the high priest? And these, these, they were beating him and pummeling him. and He didn't defend himself. So what's this witness that he maintained that we're supposed to be just like the witness he maintained is you go into the historical accounting of Jesus before the Sanhedrin the high priest and specifically Pontius Pilate you will see the words I find no fault in him I find no fault in him Repeatedly. Pontius Pilate's wife even gets in, in the act. I had a dream. Don't touch him. He is an innocent man. No fault in him. So this is what, t listen, Timothy, you have to understand that before God, your righteousness, God finds no fault in you. And then he says in 1 Corinthians, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. 
For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Not discerning, here we go, that little phrase right there, discerning the Lord's body. Discerning the Lord's body. Discerning the Lord's body. And what, what, is, what was this for Paul? See, you have to understand, if you're just going to pick up Corinthians, and you don't read Romans, and you don't know Galatians, and you don't know Ephesians, okay? And you don't, you don't know Paul's thinking and Paul's philosophy, which, which they're getting, okay? We're just seeing this little letter here. But they have the teaching from Paul. They have other writings from Paul. We have it especially, discerning the Lord's body. What is that? Think about what Paul said. I was crucified with Christ. I'm discerning his body. I was crucified with Christ. I was dead and I was buried with Christ. I was raised to newness of life with Christ. This is the discerning Paul is talking about. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with this world. And I hate that word, chastened, because it is not there. When you look up that word, it's not there. The word is more inclined to be instructed. Instructed. And what is our instruction? That we're one with Christ and that we're united with Christ. The Passion Translation says, For continually eating and drinking with the wrong spirit, with and will bring judgment upon yourself by not recognizing the body. This insensitivity is why many of you are weak, chronically ill, and some even dying. If you do not sit in, in judgment of others, you will avoid judging yourself. That's, that's, you know why that's wrong? I asked a group yesterday, have I ever asked you guys this question? Is the word of God authoritative? Is it authoritative? Without a doubt? Yes. Did I ask you this last week? Is the word of God inspired? Yes. Without a doubt. Yes. All right, who's going to be brave enough to answer this question? Is the word of God inerrant? Rick knows the answer. The word of God is not inerrant. Okay? It's not. We have translations. They're made by men. They have, they have subjectivity. And I believe a lot of the reasons why our minds are screwed up is because of a lot of these translations. But if you have the right filters and you know the truth when you go into the scriptures, it doesn't matter if you use a revert, reserved, reserved, revised standard version, the American standard version, the New Living Translation, King James Version, Passion Translation, Mirror Study Bible, you'll have the authoritative word of God. All right? But, but this judgment and stuff like that, it's totally against the word of God. It starts in Isaiah, you know? He was chastised, right, for our, 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 our he was chastised for us. The judgment for art on him. He was crushed, right? He, he was broken, right, right, for us. Romans chapter, you know, 4, verse 8. What does Romans chapter 4, verse 8 say? Anybody have that? This way you don't believe me. This way you, you just, not just believe in me. Somebody read it out. No, just Romans chapter 4, 8 I have here. Wow, you moved your electronic. You got it? Less than happy, 4, 8. Maybe I have the wrong verse here. 
Romans chapter 4, verse 8. Maybe it's the wrong verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, right? All things have passed away. Behold, all things new have come. I'm a new creation. This is what Paul calls me, a new creation. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. And, and, and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. says, sins and iniquities I'm going to remember no more. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, by one sacrifice he's perfected forever those he, sa he, he sanctified. So here it is. God's not going to remember my sins. He's made me a new creation. He's, in he's installed me and he's set me in Christ. And now it's telling me he's going to judge me and he's going to chastise me? No. Something wrong there with the wording. Look into it. Study it. You'll find out. All right? And um, I'm going to read it from, I'm going to read this verse of Scripture. Since ye seek proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you, Lord, is not weak, but is mighty in you, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by power of God towards you. All right. And here it goes. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye, know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, and if you don't, you are reprobates. <laughs> That's nice. But I trust you that you shall know that you are not reprobates. I'm not a reprobate. Amen? I like this one. This is from the Mirror Study Bible. Let me remind you, then what we actually celebrate in our fellowship meal. The night in which the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks. Breaking the bread into portions, he said, realize your association with my death, burial, resurrection. Every time you eat, remember my body that was broken for you. Take, grasp it. To take what's your own to associate yourself with myself. Verse 25, he did exactly the same with the cup after the supper and said, this cup holds the wine of the new covenant in my blood. You celebrate me every time you drink with this understanding. From now on, our meals are meaningful. We celebrate the fact the incarnation reveals our redemption. The promise has become a person. Your every meal makes the mandate of his coming relevant and communicates the meaning of the new covenant. Whether you eat or drink, you are declaring your joint inclusion in his death and resurrection, confirming your redeemed innocence. And so, Revised Standard Version says, examine yourselves to see whether you are holding to your faith. Test yourselves do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet that test? So if Jesus Christ is in you, when you're examining yourself, you understand that fact. You understand that fact that you are co-mingled, that you are one, that you are united, that you were one with him during his death, burial, or resurrection. And this is what you're celebrating. And let me explain something to you. I know... We're, we're excited, and, 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 and it's important, the virgin birth, okay? It's very important, the virgin birth. There's, very, there's other very important prophecies. There's, every, there's other important things that we, we believe, but Paul says one thing in particular. 
if Jesus Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then our whole religion is in vain. And Jesus Christ was raised from the dead for one reason and one reason only. Because he was declared righteous and we were declared righteous with him. And our righteousness puts us back in right relationship with the Father. So that's number seven. Number seven. Number seven fruit of righteousness is healed, whole, and restored through our union with Jesus Christ. Amen?